With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome in. Another episode of In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in Oklahoma City. And oh, my God. Maybe the biggest In Defense of the Big 12 show we've had up to this point. Big news on the Texas maybe head coaching search. We'll see if they have a new head coaching search or not. Oklahoma State loses again. Big 12 title game is set. I'm going to leave it up to you today, dude, where, where we start on this thing. I mean, we did have basically a full slate of games over the weekend, but that seems mm. to be pretty far down the list in terms of what's important today. Well, here's the song that I've been blasting all morning long, and really I've been blasting it since the first report regarding Urban Meyer dropped last night, and I think uh, a lot of folks around Longhorn Nation have been singing this as well. Simon and Garfunkel, the sounds of silence. It is a depressed mood here in Austin, Texas this morning. Uh, I mean, obviously a huge story, the Big 12 championship game being set, right? Iowa State, Oklahoma, the rematch, that's going to be an incredible game. Iowa State took care of business in a big way on Saturday. Oklahoma didn't look great, maybe to be expected Mm -hmm. because of the COVID issues that they've been dealing with, but now they struggled a little bit against Baylor. I think the biggest story here, though, is the Urban Meyer situation. And oh, maybe yeah. I'm a little bit biased. Okay, that's good. If the Oklahoma yeah. fan is saying that, then, uh, then that's Well, and, and, and by the way, real quick, I after OU started off 0-2 in conference play, I was like, God, I mean, if they're going to make it, even make it a Big 12 championship game, they have to win out. I never would have thought that they could have clinched a Big 12 title berth with still one game remaining. But yeah. That kind of says a lot about the conference this year. But, yes – the biggest story, without a doubt, Urban Meyer citing health reasons as to why he won't come to Austin. You believe that's legit? All, all true there? Yeah, I do. And look, if USC or Notre Dame or another blue blood type of job opens up within two or three years and Urban Meyer takes it, then maybe not. But no, I mean, I've been saying all along, I think there are two people who can tell Urban Meyer to turn down this Texas job because I think Urban Meyer wanted this job, right? There's mm-hmm. obviously no doubt Texas wanted Urban Meyer, but I think Urban Meyer wanted to get back into coaching and he knew Texas had everything possible in place, or at least they could put thing put everything possible in place for him to compete for another national championship and become the first coach ever to win national championships at three different schools. I think all of that was incredibly intriguing and enticing to Urban Meyer, but there were two people I think who could have told him no. One of them was his wife, Shelly, and the other one is his doctor. And I think the two of them kind of combined to say, hey man, getting back into coaching is not great for your health. We've seen this before. You're older now. We know what the stress does to your body. 
we don't want you to mess with this. And I think Urban Meyer listened and said, yeah, no, nah, I'm, uh, I'm done with this thing. So, yeah, I, I think that was the real reason. I really do. Maybe I'm uh, being super biased, burnt orange Kool-Aid drinking Longhorn fan by saying that. But I think Texas is too good of a job, despite what's going on around here the last 10 years. I think Texas is too good of a job to turn down uh, for anything besides health reasons. Yeah, I, I was surprised that the decision came this quick. For, for Urban, be honest with you, maybe, I mean, if it had to go down this way, it's a good thing that he didn't drag this thing all the way until January until he finally made a decision. But uh, now the question for Texas fans have to be, what's next? And I, I don't know for sure if this is what's next, but we have to start talking about the possibility, I think, of Tom Herman being back in 2021 because of that $15 million buyout. That's a lot of money to shell out, and it sounds like, Unless the fan base can be sold on some sort of a big-time name, then maybe that $15 million isn't ponied up this offseason. So I I didn't think that this was going to happen. And I Mm -hmm. still don't think it should happen because what the recruiting class is this year, I I think that with what Texas has coming back next year, it's clearly not going to be as much talent as was this year. I I feel like you're almost punting on next year, and that could set you back even further in terms of recruiting classes. We'll see. But – I mean, how likely now is it that Tom Herman is is back in Austin? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was starting to get bad vibes yesterday morning because three of the main insider sites that cover Texas all wrote articles that said, well, if Urban Meyer says no, then maybe Tom Herman's going to be brought back. That was before the actual Urban News drop. But when I saw all of those come down yesterday morning, I'm like, all right, this might not be happening. And then sure enough, last night we got multiple sources reporting that Urban had said no. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the big money donors, right? I mean, they're fans too. So I guess technically that's part of the fan base, but all that matters is the money right now. So what does the money want? It feels like a lot of the big money donors are done with Tom Herman. Hell, a lot of them have been done with Tom Herman since the summer, but especially after those back-to-back losses to Oklahoma and TCU and the Eyes of Texas debacle that took place on the field after the Oklahoma game, a lot of the big money has pulled away and said, unless you get rid of this guy, we're not donating our money anymore. So I think that's going to determine whether or not Tom Herman is brought back for another year. Yeah, the buyout is a lot, but look, the big money donors can pay it. Even though it's a pandemic right now, the big money donors can pay that at the University of Texas. So, you know, ultimately this is the athletic director, Chris Del Conte's decision, but he has to follow the money and listen to what the money says. And I think that's ultimately going to determine whether or not Tom Herman is brought back for a fifth year. I guess my question is like Urban was clearly the name, the guy there's name cachet skins on the wall. There's, there's, there's all that with Urban Meyer. There doesn't seem to be a second name that comes close to that in this year's coaching search. So, I mean, you could bring Tom Herman back from 2021, I guess, but you're probably still going to fire him, I would guess, after that season unless something miraculous happens. Like, I I guess who's going to be out there after the 21 season that it isn't there right now? You you know what I mean? When when you're looking for a splash hire. No, that's a great question, and that's what I've been asking down here in Austin, right? I mean, last week when we were saying, well, what do we do if Urban Meyer says no? Yeah, who's going to be there next year that isn't there this year? Now, it would be better for Texas – to struggle under Tom Herman for another year than to hire a new coach and have him underachieve, right? That would be a disaster. And if you do that, if you get three coaching hires wrong in a row, then you're getting closer to Nebraska and Michigan than you are to just, oh, the blue blood that's going through a little bit of a rut. Hell, you're getting closer to Tennessee too. Like you do not want to be in that situation. So it'd be better 
to take your time and make sure you get this right than to just fire Tom Herman for the sake of firing Tom Herman. With that being said, you know, I, I think if you're Chris Del Conte, you have to be asking yourself two things. And we can play this exercise here on this show as well, Tyler. I think you need to ask, has Tom Herman shown me anything that tells me that he can win Big 12 championships? Not one championship, because he wasn't brought in to win one conference title, right? Like to win Big 12 championships. And then the second question I would ask, I won't even go to the national title conversation because that feels so far away right now. But when Chris Del Conte took the athletic director job a couple of years ago, he talked about wanting all of his teams, all of his athletic programs to be able to consistently compete in the top 10 in the country. So that's the second question. Has Tom Herman showed you anything over these four years that tells you that he can have this team competing in or around the top 10 in the country every year? If your answer to either of those questions is no, and for me, the answer to both of those questions is no, then I think you have to make the move right now because there's no point in keeping Tom Herman around if he can't get you to either of those things. Yeah, I mean, how would the how would the answer even be yes? You know, I mean, look at next year. Sam Ellinger's gone. Um, you got Kerstetter, who's gone more than likely. Cosme is gone. Caden Stearns is is gone. Um, you do have Bijan Robinson comes back, come back, coming back, who looked like a superstar on Saturday. By the way, I'm sitting there thinking, why haven't they given the this guy the ball more this year? Whatever. But the yeah. point is, is with this with the crew that he's had these past few years, why would it happen this year and in the year after when he wasn't able to get it done the past three years with the skill talent that he's had? So, I mean, I'm like in lockstep with you. Yeah, no, that's where I'm at. And it's what we talked about going into this year, right? I mean, it felt like the Big 12 was as down as it's been in a long time. And I think it kind of played out that way, right? Yeah. And also it felt like Texas had its most talented roster without question in Tom Herman's era, but also in the last decade, right, since this team won its last Big 12 championship. So the combination of those things should have led to Texas at least getting to Arlington, at least getting to Arlington, but they knew their fate with two weeks left in the regular season that they weren't going to get there, and that should not be acceptable. All right, fill up the comments section. You're already starting to do that. I see you, Spartan Barton. I see you, Harrison. Um, Spartan Barton is disappointed. Texas couldn't get the deal done. I, yeah, I'm sure Texas fans are as well. Oh, yeah. He also thinks that Herman just needs to get Will Muschamp as the coordinator <laughs> And then his problems are solved. Bring po Coach Boom back to uh, What do you say about that? Thank you. No, thank you. You know, uh, the best part of this Texas coaching staff this year has been Chris Ash, the new defensive coordinator. I mean, this defense, they, they didn't look great on Saturday, right? They gave up a lot of yards to Deuce Vaughn and to Kansas State, but they've been playing incredibly well. They've gotten a lot better as the season has progressed. And talent development has been a huge issue under Tom Herman. I mean, we've had those conversations ad nauseum. Guys just aren't getting developed here. And, hell, that goes back to the end of the Mac Brown days. Chris Ash has developed talent on the defensive side of the football. So, he's uh, if Tom Herman's staying, he's going to stay. And, hell, whoever the next head yeah. coach is, I wouldn't mind if uh, Chris Ash was kept along for the ride as the defensive coordinator because he's done a pretty good job this year. Harrison says Chris Del Conte needs to throw out the idea to fire Herman right now and promote Chris Ash for a year. It solves an issue and of a burn bridge, but you can take your time in the search. Nah, uh, that's not how it works in college football. You, you can't do that. You just can't do that because, I mean, you're going to lose half your staff if you lose Tom Herman, right? Like those guys are Tom Herman guys. Those guys aren't Chris Ash. You're going to have to replace a bunch of assistants most likely and those guys won't take one-year contracts, right? No assistant in the right mind would take a one-year contract. So, now nah, you can't uh, 
The only way Chris Ash is the head coach here at Texas is if Texas fires Tom Herman after the Kansas game and Chris Ash is the interim coach for a couple of weeks and then they hire somebody else. But uh, you can't do that one-year college football bid. That, uh, that doesn't work. On a scale of 1 to 10, by the way, like especially looking at it now, how frustrating is it that with really nothing on the line, nothing to play for, Texas goes up to Manhattan and scores a very nice 69 points and beats Kansas State by 38. I mean, you got to be thinking, well, where was this all year long? But also it's got to be the frustration too of like, oh my God, now there really is potentially a chance that Herman comes back <laughs> in 2021. And maybe the last memory is he almost hanging up 70 on the road at Kansas State. Yeah, well, to answer your question on a scale of one to ten, it's a twelve in terms of how frustrating it is, right? I mean, we saw from we saw things from this football team on Saturday that we haven't seen all season long, and it was far and away their most complete football game, I guess, since the UTEP game. But we're kind of throwing that one out the window. The one non-con game Texas played way back in September. But yeah, I mean, they look great in all three phases. The defense, you know, they gave up some yards once again. They make Deuce Vaughn look really, really good, which helped. A lot of defenses in this league have made Deuce Vaughn look really, really good. That guy's yeah. a hell of a player. He's going to be fun to watch for the next few years. But, yeah, I mean, 69 points offensively, the most for Texas in a game since the 05 Big 12 championship drubbing of Colorado. Uh, the running game was spectacular. You mentioned Bijan Robinson, nine catches – excuse me, nine carries, 172 yards, three touchdowns. Rojo had three touchdowns. I mean, the offense looked great. And the guys just – they looked like they were playing with no pressure. They looked like they were playing free with nothing to lose. And we were kind of speculating on our show here in Austin. Like we had no idea what to expect from Texas, right? We had no idea what they were going to look like. Were they going to quit because they knew they weren't going to get to the big 12 championship game. They had players opt out last week, all the conversations surrounding Tom Herman. Like if they would have gone out there and just flat out laid an egg, I don't think it would have surprised anybody, but they did the exact opposite of that. Right. I mean, they were just like, dude, the hell with this. We've got, We've got no pressure right now. Let's just go out and play and have some fun. And uh, it worked. They look great. But obviously the questions around here are, why the hell did it take this long for us to see a performance like that? Because all three of Texas's losses this year came by one possession. And if they played the way that they played on Saturday up in Manhattan, then they probably win all three of yeah. those ball games. So, yeah, there's no doubt it's frustrating. Um, one more thing on the Texas head coaching search. We'll go to other Big 12 topics, and we'll probably circle back around to Texas. I just I, – I don't love the other names that are out there. Steve Sarkeesian, I've seen him as a head coach before. Maybe it would work this next time around. Mario Cristobal at Oregon, don't love that. Mm. And Spartan Barton even put James Franklin in the chat, and that's a name that's been thrown out there. I, I, I don't know – I. How hard of a sell would it be to Texas fans? I mean, he has accomplished some things at Penn State, but how hard of a sell would it be hiring a coach that had one or two wins this year? Yeah, I think the ship has sailed for James Franklin, right? I mean, Texas had the chance to get Franklin when they hired Charlie Strong mm -hmm. uh, back in 2014, right? Those were kind of the final two candidates, at least when it was all said and done. Franklin gets the Penn State job. Texas ends up with Charlie Strong. Uh, Chris Del Conte has a great relationship with James Franklin. So maybe CDC would be pushing the James Franklin narrative a little bit, but I don't think that's going to do anything for Texas fans. I mean, he's two and five right now. He's done some great things at Penn State, like you mentioned, and he's been way better up there than anything the Texas coaches have done since Mac Brown left. But no, that doesn't do much. The, the one guy, the one name that I'm hearing, and I don't know how feasible this is at all, but the one name out there right now that seems relatively realistic 
and actually does something for me and I think should do something for most Texas fans is Dan Mullen at Florida. And I, like, I like that a lot. And you, like say, that a lot. and you say, well, why, well, you know, why would Dan Mullen leave Florida, right? He's got the Gators in the SEC championship game. If they beat Bama somehow, they'll be in the college football playoff. Like he's done great things. Florida's a blue blood. Why would he leave? Well, he's only making only, I say that tongue in cheek. He's only making $6 million at Florida. Like Texas could, they could double that if they wanted to, but they could give him closer to $10 million a year. And that could be very enticing, right? To a guy yeah. like Dan Mullen, who's like, oh, I still and, Florida, and Florida's about to give him more money this offseason. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. But I, I think they will. Really, I think yeah. they will too. But yeah, Texas can. Yeah. I mean, Texas can pretty much money whip anybody they want. So I don't know. Once again, I don't know how realistic that is. Maybe Florida's Dan Mullen's dream job. Maybe he's happy with what he's built there, and he doesn't want to leave. But that is a phone call. Like to me, all of the realistic college guys that you could go after. Uh, Dan Mullen should be top of the list because, yeah, Mario Cristobal doesn't do a whole lot for me, and James Franklin doesn't either. I don't know if I've thrown this name out to you or not yet. Uh, I did on my radio show. I'm just trying to think of, like, where the program needs to try to get to. I, I don't know. I, I just see a program that could stand, especially now that Ellinger's gone, to be a whole lot better offensively. Maybe it could guarantee you're good at quarterback. I, I don't know. What do you think about Joe Brady? Yeah, I mean, do you want to go down the path of hiring a guy with very little experience again? And Joe Brady has less experience than Tom Herman or Charlie Strong did, right? So, you know, that would obviously intrigue a lot of folks around here because of what Joe Brady did at LSU as the offensive coordinator. I mean, that was arguably the best offense in college football history. Uh, And then he's done pretty good work with the Carolina Panthers here in year one. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think some folks would like that more than Tom Herman, but I don't know if that's somebody the administration wants to go after considering he has zero experience as a head coach at any level. Uh, let's see. Harrison says, are there not any NFL coaches you like? Well, they like Kyle Shanahan, I think, and they take yeah. Kyle Shanahan. I just don't think, that he's, I don't think that he's leaving. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kyle Shanahan would be awesome, the lifetime Longhorn. You'd love to get him in there, but I don't think he's leaving either. I don't think he wants to recruit. And, and look, you, you should make some calls if you're Texas, right? These names are going to sound ridiculous, and I'm sure people are like, oh, here's here's Texas fan thinking his program is a whole hell of a lot better than it actually is. But, I mean, you should make a phone call to Sean McVay. You should make a phone call to Matt Rule. Like you should call some of these coaches in the NFL and say, hey, man, we can offer you more money than what you're offered, what you're making right now in the NFL. So what do you say? Now, odds are nobody's going to do that. No one's going to turn down a stable NFL job to come to a college job. But, uh, man, sometimes uh, we start talking about eight figures worth of money per year makes people change their minds on things. So there are some NFL coaches I like. I don't know if any of them – any NFL head coaches are really realistic at this point. Texas head coach, Mike McCarthy. You uh, heard it here first. On <laughs> show. Oh man. What? Yeah. The Cowboys and the Longhorns are going to trade coaching staffs this off season. So the Cowboys will get Tom Herman and the Longhorns will get Mike McCarthy. Uh, which fan base would be less happy? Spartan Barton says, is Matt Campbell an Iowa state lifer? Uh, I don't even need to get past that part of the comment to say no. No, 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 no. Nobody <laughs> is ever an Iowa State lifer. Um, I could potentially see him being at Michigan next year. I mean, I, I think that that's a possibility for him. But, no, I, I don't think that – I mean, Matt Campbell can say all that in a press conference, and we've heard that coach speak before. But the moment he gets a better job with more money, he'll go He'll go and take it. That's just it, what happens. It feels that way. I mean, I know he's turned down a couple of jobs in the past couple of years, but he's never – 
gotten anything close to a Michigan offer. And words out of Ann Arbor's that Jim Harbaugh could be fired this week. Uh, I think after December first rolled around, like his yeah. buyout went dramatically down. So this would be the time to make a move, or sometime this week or next would be the time for them to make a move. So, yeah, I think he is one of, if not their top target. And hell, some Longhorn fans are clamoring for Matt Campbell. Right? Hey, can we go get this dude? Can we steal him away from Iowa State? So I don't know if Matt Campbell would be interested. And God, that would be a disaster if Texas went full bore on Matt Campbell and he's like, ah, nah. Yeah. Sorry about that, Texas. But, uh, yeah, I I can't imagine he's an Iowa State lifer. I know he signed an extension, what, last offseason. But uh, I, I would think if Michigan comes calling, he'll uh, he'll probably leave. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about head coaching search with Texas and kind of how this season has been a disappointment. And, and that's true, but I, I don't know if anybody in the conference has had a more disappointing season than Oklahoma State. Mm. And Saturday was just a cold bucket of water slap in the face realization of, you know what? You you weren't as good as everybody thought that you were going to be going into the year. I mean, maybe you can justify the Texas loss. You're better than Texas, I guess. But you, you just had a few misplays, a few missed opportunities. Texas has more overall talent than you. Okay, whatever. Maybe we can excuse a loss to Texas. Uh, there's no shame in losing Bedlam in Norman, right? But to lose on the road to this TCU team while getting five turnovers, like that's a huge problem. OSU's, yeah. or OSU's defense got five turnovers, and they still found a way to lose to TCU. Um, wow, what a massively disappointing year for Oklahoma State. And when you look at it now, it's like, what did they really ever do this year that was impressive? I mean, they beat Iowa State at home, and that's a really good win. Yeah. But outside that, it was filled with, Lucky to win in Manhattan, embarrassed in Norman, lost at home to Texas, lost in Fort Worth, uh, maybe lucky to win at home against Texas Tech. I mean, there's just all these games to where it's like we never really saw what their full potential maybe was. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. And I'll give you some credit. You picked TCU to win this football game on our show last Thursday. Now, you also said you thought TCU was going to look as good as it's looked all season. And they, yeah. did, but they didn't have to, right? I mean, they didn't have to because of uh, Oklahoma State's mishaps themselves. Yeah, I mean, they were having similar conversations in Stillwater that we were having in Austin, right? Felt like the Big 12 was up for grabs. Felt like Oklahoma was down this year. And it felt like, hey, we've got – the most talent and the most experience we've had on our football team in a long, long time. So the optimism was sky high in Stillwater. I thought Oklahoma State was going to at least get to the Big 12 title game, but they didn't. And you're right. I mean, look, that was a very impressive win over Iowa State, who it now appears to be, at least at the moment, the best team in this conference. But outside of that, I mean, they just they couldn't get it done. And I thought that last Last offensive drive, hell, they had two, really. I mean, they had two golden opportunities to score a game-tying touchdown down the stretch. You had the uh, the Spitzer-Sanders interception, and yep. then you had, you know, Aben Ogbong-Bamiga made an incredible play, ripping the ball away from Max Duggan to give Oklahoma State another chance, but then they couldn't get it done. Just that offense, man, that offense, which uh, struggled all year long. And I know the last couple of weeks they've been without Chuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown, but even when they had those guys, uh, they had been struggling as well. We, we said it before the year. Oklahoma State success, whether or not they take that next step, is going to depend on if Spencer Sanders can take that next step. And he got hurt early on this year, but when he came back, he he didn't. He just didn't take that next step. And he did some good things on Saturday, but turnover issues. He threw that pick in the end zone on that second to last drive, 
and just inconsistencies throwing the football. He didn't take that step, and that's why Oklahoma State didn't take that step. You need to have it. You need to have solid quarterback play to win in this league, and Oklahoma State didn't get it consistently enough. Yeah, I, I and every time I look at Mike Gundy during a game, I just look at him and say, "Is this guy engaged? I mean, does he like he wants to win, but does he like really?" really want to win does he have the same fire that he did eight years ago it just seems like he's a guy that's he's okay man if they lose a couple games a year ah whatever I'm still collecting my paycheck he just doesn't have the same fire it almost looked like he's checked out a little bit I I I view this year as a complete nutter failure uh on his part that this team has already lost three and by the way they may lose four next week at Baylor oh they're not losing to Baylor Island Wallace probably not going to play in that game I I just they're only a four and a half point favorite in that wow. game. Too. Yeah, no, you're right on Mike Gundy. I mean, he's very stoic on the sidelines. And when have we ever said that about Mike Gundy, right? I mean, the energy, the enthusiasm, the bullet man, like the guy we're expecting to see and the guy we've seen over the last couple of decades up there hasn't been the same this season. Obviously, a pretty tumultuous offseason with uh, some of the stuff that happened around Mike Gundy and that Oklahoma State football team. I don't know. I don't know what his interest level is. I know some Oklahoma State fans are ready to make the move. That's obviously a, a scary situation if you're OSU because Mike Gundy has made you relevant and he's had you contending for conference championships in the past and he's put you in BCS bowls and he's been your best football coach you've had in a long, long time, if not ever. But we know the struggles against Oklahoma and really the struggles we've seen from this team the last couple of years. It's, you know, maybe there's a mutual parting of the ways this season uh, or maybe Oklahoma State makes a move, but it kind of feels like that program is is in limbo right now, and I, I don't know how optimistic you can be about the future of Oklahoma State football right now. Spartan Barton, why are you talking trash? What's going on? What do we Thought got? We boys. What's, what's going on? What do you mean how many national championships has the Big 12 uh, had in the past 20 years? You know the answer to that. There's only one. So what? Who cares? Oh, man. It hurts. It really, really hurts. There, all right, we're getting I mean, there. Don't worry. At least, at least oh. your school is uh, competing, right? I mean, whenever they get to the playoff, that's a different story. Oh, well, I mean, I, are they, they are they competing the once they get in the playoff? I don't I mean, I don't know. I yeah, well, the the Georgia game, I guess they did, but yeah. uh, the other couple of tries they did not. But no, look, that's why the name of the podcast is in defense of the Big Twelve because we know this conference has kind of become a laughing stock over the last fifteen or so years, and really the last ten years, right? You had Oklahoma playing for a national title in 08. You had Texas playing for a national title in 09. Uh, but, yeah, the last 10 years, it's they haven't, uh, they haven't been as close as they would have liked. There's no doubt about it. Can we get, like, a banner at the top of the screen that says, at least we're not the Pac-12? I think <laughs> uh, yes, yes, we're better than the Pac-12. That's, uh, that should be the slogan, right? Instead of one true champion or the hardest path to the CFP, Mm-hmm. or whatever the hell the Big 12 has tried to roll out over the last 10 years, at least we're not the Pac-12, I think uh, should be this conference's new slogan. I like that. Uh, boy, I, I don't think Mike Gundy's going to get fired at the end of this year. I mean, he did, he, he did just waste the best defense that he's ever had by far and away, which has got to be a major yeah. disappointment. I, I, I don't think that he's going to be fired, but I think that his years in Stillwater are pretty – Pretty limited. I mean, I, I really do. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating off season, right? Like more fascinating than any off season we've ever had because of the NCAA eligibility waiver. So Oklahoma State's got all these seniors on its football team, especially on defense. All of these guys could come back 
right? In a normal offseason, it's like, well, Oklahoma State's going to lose a million starters and they're going to take a step back and they're probably not going to be anywhere close to as good next year. But I don't think they're going to get all these guys back because some of these guys are going to be NFL draft picks, but they could get a, a big percentage of those seniors back for another year, which could have them competing for the conference title next year. Now it's another year for Spencer Sanders to get better, and maybe he actually can take that step from his sophomore year to his junior year. So that makes it uh, maybe more of a conversation, but you might be right in terms of Gundy's days and Stillwater being a little bit numbered at this point. There's a a pretty decent chunk of the conference right now that wants to fire their head coach. I think some – well, it's going to be most. If, if OSU loses to Baylor, probably most OSU fans want to fire Mike Gundy. Every Texas fan wants to fire Tom Herman. And after Tech only beat Kansas 16-13 on Saturday, I think every Tech fan wants to fire Matt Wells right now. Oh, they almost did it. The Hawks almost did it. They were so close. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I really think you're right. And I don't think anything is going to happen to Matt Wells after this year. It's only a second year in Lubbock. But, man, I mean, that program has fallen hard, hard. Man. And they are – like, they're comparing themselves to Kansas now to where it's like basketball school, don't care about football. We know we suck. Get us to basketball season. And I, I, I just – based off where Texas Tech was under Mike Leach a decade, a decade and a half ago – I never thought that would happen. Uh, And they were, I mean, look, early on, they were up 10-0 in the first quarter. It looked like they were going to run away with this, right? I mean, they were 28.5-point favorites, which felt like a lot. But, man, I don't know if any line against Kansas this year is really that much, right? Because they've been so, so bad, and they haven't been competitive at all this season. And even though Kansas beat Texas Tech last year, it's like, okay, you know, Tech might might be a little bit better. They might be the same. But Kansas is clearly much, much, much worse there's no way this game is going to be close. It looked that way early on. But yeah, Tech's offense just went into a rut. Their kicker, Garibay, who was the hero against Baylor a couple of weeks ago, has been a really, really cool story since taking over that Texas Tech job. I think he missed three field goals in that game, which made things very, very interesting down the stretch. So to your point, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of Tech fans that are already done with Matt Wells. I don't think he's going to go, but I think he's going to be required to like revamp his coaching staff, kind of what Tom Herman did last year where it's like, hey, you got to get rid of your coordinators and you got to pretty much start over and here's your get-out-of-jail-free card, you're welcome. But in terms of Tech fans ready to make a move, yeah, I think some of them are already ready to uh, close the book on the Matt Wells era. By the way, I hope that uh, everyone here found a more entertaining way to spend their Saturday nights other than watching OU and Baylor on hmm. Fox because, my God, that was hey, a man, Tim Brando, is there anybody more entertaining than Tim Brando? Was he bad? I, I was at the game. Was he bad? Oh, Again? well, he was Tim Brando. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good for you. Hey, that, that should be like uh, – that should be the only time I go to games is when Tim Brando is calling them. Like that, <laughs> that should be my rule. If that guy's calling him, then I'm I'm just going to – I don't care how much tickets are. I'm paying for them. Uh, Baylor had more first downs than Oklahoma. They had more total yards than Oklahoma. They had more passing yards than Oklahoma. Uh, they had – a lot of things more than Oklahoma, yet they still lost this game by 13 points. And this was one of the uh, more uglier games offensively of the Lincoln-Riley era, but it does show some growth, I guess, for OU. The fact that they only had 269 total yards and were still able to win a game by two touchdowns. Two years ago, if OU has a game where they have 269 total yards, they lose the game by four touchdowns. But in 2020, defense is better. 
they win this game by 13 points. So I, I guess there's growth, even though it was against a bad Baylor team. Yeah, what, what happened there? I mean, the running attack for Oklahoma couldn't do anything against Baylor's defense, which hasn't been that good this year. And, you know, Oklahoma, the, the big part of their resurgence, right, after starting 0-2 in conference play has been, well, they've been able to run the football. And since Ramondre Stevenson came back, they've really been able to run the football. They just couldn't get anything going on the ground. I mean, is that an anomaly for you, or is there cause for concern uh, moving forward? It was. It, it reminded me so much of what happened early in the year against like Kansas State and Iowa State. This program shut down for like five days, and Lincoln admitted after the game he was like, "We didn't coach our kids worth a damn this week." Hmm. So they weren't allowed back in the facility. I think that they all they were doing was watching film. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to get out of football shape, but five or six days has to be pretty close to it. And this offensive line just didn't have the same. Energy that it had, I, I, I don't know. I think being away from football for almost nearly a week really cost this team quite a bit, and it showed. I mean, they were extremely sloppy. Uh, Spencer Rattler didn't play well. I mean, it was just it was just a bad game offensively all the way around. I don't think that this is going to be the norm of OU because that hasn't been the norm for the past month and a half. But, yeah, they've got some work to do before they go out to Morgantown this week for sure because that was a very, very, very bad offensive performance on Saturday. I do, they mean, have anybody, do they have anybody out on offense? I know they had some COVID issues well, with the coaching staff, number one, but also some defensive starters were out as well. Was, really. was everybody there for the offense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I believe that, right? I mean, when you don't practice for as long as Oklahoma didn't practice, right? I know they were doing virtual stuff, but that's not the same as actually being there and getting your in-practice in reps. So maybe it's just that, but – yeah, that was uh, that was weird to see. I mean, considering how good the Oklahoma offense has looked in, in recent weeks, really recent months at this point, uh, that was a surprise they struggled that much against Baylor. You know, with what you saw on Saturday, Tyler, and we'll obviously see this play out uh, a week from Saturday in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington, but with what you saw from Iowa State and Oklahoma over the weekend, I mean, do you think maybe there's a change at the top? Because I think you and I, despite Iowa State being first in the standings for a while now, I think you and I still felt like the way Oklahoma has been playing, it felt like they were still the best team in this conference and that they were liable to rip, to win that rematch. If we got it at Jerry world, uh, are you ready to make a move atop your big 12 power rankings? Or uh, I'm really close. I'm really close because it's like Iowa state's defense. Isn't showing me anything, you know, different than what they've showed me this year. I know Iowa state's defense is good. Brees hall. Hasn't really shown me anything that he has in all year. Brees hall is good, but Brock Purdy is. You know, Brock Purdy is playing super efficient football right now. I mean, he was 20 to 23 for 247 and three touchdowns. Like, if that's the stat line that Brock Purdy can consistently give you, like not throwing for 400 yards or anything like that, but throwing for three touchdowns, only having three incompletions and no, and no, and no turnovers, then yeah, I mean, that's what's keeping Iowa State from being the best team in the conference. And if they don't win the conference championship game, Brock Purdy will be the reason because of it, but him playing like this, like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really close because it's, it's obvious they're playing their best football right now. Yeah. Three games in a row for Brock Purdy in which he has not committed a turnover, right? He had three picks in the first half of that Baylor game that Iowa state nearly lost uh, back in early November, but they dominated K state. He looked really good in that game. They obviously came down to Austin and beat Texas. He looked Pretty good in that game. Made some great throws, made some great plays with his legs. Didn't turn the football over, I think, most importantly. And then, yeah, he played really, really well. You mentioned his stat line against West Virginia on Saturday. 
they were winning games in spite of Brock Purdy early on this year. And now Brock Purdy is helping them win football games. And yeah, they look like a much more complete football team as we're starting to see the Brock Purdy we saw at times last year. And I think the Brock Purdy we all expected to see going into this year too. Uh, Harrison wants to talk some basketball. We can get into that. What tail end of this episode? Sure. Basketball kind of. Hell, we had a conference game yesterday in the Big Twelve. Yeah, we went for the Sooners, man. That was entertaining as hell up in Fort Worth. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, Texas. I I still can't believe Texas went on the road to Kansas State and won that way. Uh, Iowa State just looked great against West Virginia. I I don't know what to think of West Virginia. I, I I really don't because. I mean, they've went to Lubbock and lost. They've went to Ames and gotten blown out this year. Um, they looked really good against Kansas State earlier. I just – I guess West Virginia is like the epitome of just middle-of-the-road conference team this year, I guess. Well, they haven't won a road game this year, and they really only played well in one of them, and that was the game in Austin. But they only scored 13 points in that football game, right? The defense traveled, but the offense was really inconsistent. Letty Brown couldn't get going at all in that football game. So – you know, they play Oklahoma this week. Uh, doesn't mean anything for the conference championship race. Oklahoma's not making the college football playoffs, so maybe Oklahoma could be a little down this week. But I don't know. I mean, the only thing that says West Virginia maybe has a chance is because they're playing that game at home. They've just been a completely different team at Milan Pusker this year than they have been uh, away from Morgantown. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can circle back to the Texas situation here for people that just joined us. Uh, yeah, Urban Meyer says, I've got health issues. I'm sorry, I can't come. Tom Herman now, which Tom Herman's not having a press conference today, which kind of sucks because yeah. that dude gets bombarded right now during press. I feel bad for the guy. I really am starting mm. to feel bad for the guy of all the questions that he has to answer from the media. I don't. <laughs> I don't because he's not getting it done as a head coach. But yeah. also something he did when he first took the Texas job he literally had a closed-door meeting with a lot of prominent members of the media and basically said, here's how we're going to operate. Here's how things are going to go. And it rubbed a lot of media folk the wrong way. So I think a lot of media folk have been waiting for this opportunity. And as you said, they are not pulling any punches when it comes to Tom Herman over these last couple He of basically years. told them, this is how you're going to do your job while yeah. covering me? Yeah, you yep. can do that. So, exactly. And he was also telling, uh, like, player stuff like don't tell your parents this he was also telling parents like he he pissed people off from the jump here in austin and obviously he's pissed a lot of people off over the last year with the play of the team with the eyes of texas situation with what's going on on the recruiting trail so don't feel too bad for a guy making six million dollars to uh to underachieve and to and to piss everybody off i got another name to throw out you um i don't know if i've thrown this name at you either but it is a big name. It's a recognizable name for sure. Now, he is at a big-time program, and it's – I don't know if it's fair to say it's gotten stale, but it's almost like, is this guy ever going to get over the hump? I don't know. Maybe he's looking for a change of scenery. Kirby Smart, would that do anything? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about that, right? I don't know how realistic it would be for Kirby Smart to leave Georgia to take the Texas job. You know, maybe Texas can money whip Georgia a little bit and bring Kirby Smart in, but – I think they're still satisfied with Kirby. He's still recruiting at an incredibly high level. And Georgia lets Kirby Smart get away with stuff that Texas wouldn't let Kirby Smart get away with. Right. And that might sound a little weird considering Texas was just going after Urban Meyer. And we know the history of Urban Meyer and some of the stuff his programs have gotten away with in the past. But uh, I I still think uh, 
He likes being in the SEC. He likes being at Georgia. And I think for the time being, Georgia's pretty happy with Kirby Smart. So it's not quite Saban or Dabo level unattainable, but uh, I think it's probably pretty close. Uh, I, I don't think Kirby Smart's going anywhere. By the way, I guess it's up in the air if Texas is even to play this week at Kansas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the weekend, man, it was a very eventful weekend for Texas, right? I mean, of course, they looked great on Saturday. They dominated K-State. But then yesterday, three players and two staffers uh, reportedly tested positive for COVID. And that's one thing Texas has done really well all year, right? They've stayed out of trouble COVID-wise. The one game that they had postponed against Kansas was due to problems within Kansas. So Texas has stayed very, very clean in terms of that. But, uh, yeah, things, uh, things fell apart. That's why there's no Tom Herman press conference today. And we'll see what happens, right? I mean, this game on Saturday, I, I think they're going to try to play it. And there's talks. I think Bob Bowlesby actually said that even if they don't play it this Saturday, they'll play it next Saturday, yep. the date of yep. the Big 12 championship, because there's there's TV money on the line. So I, I think it's around $3 million they'll lose. Yeah, yeah, I think 3 to $3.5 million. So uh, this year, you know, the Big 12 wants to recoup as much money as they possibly can. So maybe it'll be next weekend instead of this weekend. But uh I think they'll find a way to play that game up in Lawrence. By the way, forgot to mention this, but there is an assistant coach in the conference that took a head coaching job in the SEC. That is Shane Beamer. That's right. If you haven't heard of him, he is the son of former Virginia Tech head coach Frank Beamer. Now, looking at this from the OU side just for a little bit, I, I think Shane Beamer might go to South Carolina and do a nice job. It's an incredibly difficult situation out there in Columbia having to play Florida, Georgia, and Clemson every single year. That's yeah. a fourth of your schedule, so good luck with that. But it's like I, I don't think that OU is just all of a sudden going to be out in the wilderness because Shane Beamer left, just because his duties and responsibilities at Oklahoma weren't really all that great. I mean, he was coaching the H-backs and helping out with special teams a little bit, but nothing like really all that substantial. Good for Shane Beamer. This is a massive step up. He's a good dude. I hope he gets it done at South Carolina. I hope he can bring some of that offense that he saw under Lincoln Riley to South Carolina. But he better because that is, in my opinion, one of the more difficult jobs in all college football. Yeah, I was pretty surprised at that hiring. And I think you just said it, right? I think South Carolina is looking for any bits of Lincoln Riley that they can get from Shane Beamer. Maybe yeah. they're playing the genetics card as well, right? Because we know how good Frank Beamer was for a long, long time at Virginia Tech. You knew at some point Shane Beamer was likely to get a head coaching job somewhere, but I figured he'd have to work his way up a little bit more before getting a job like that in the SEC. I wish him all the best, but it sounds like it's not going to affect Oklahoma that much, right? Like, you yeah. know, generally, generally you lose an assistant coach. It's usually a coordinator, and you got to worry a little bit about, well, is our offense going to take a step back? Is our defense going to take a step back? Like if Alex Grinch gets a head coaching job, then I think there's cause for concern up in sure. Georgia because he's done sure. so well on defense. But yeah, Shane Beamer's not going to cause any problems really, right? No, I don't think so. And it goes back to it's not necessarily what you know or even sometimes what you've done. It's who you know, who you're related to. And the fact yeah. that South Carolina poached OU staff, and no offense to the guy, but took Shane Beamer over Alex Grinch, just goes to show you, man, if you've got that last name, then you're going to be put in situations that not a whole lot of other coaches will be put in. Put in. Uh, nepotism is a beautiful yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of that in the entire sports industry. I guess there's a lot of that everywhere, right? I mean, any company, if you're like the son of a boss or the relative of a boss, you've got a really good shot to get a high-level position. But we see that all the time 
in uh, the coaching industry, no question. Uh, we can get to some basketball, Harrison. Uh, he thinks the conference is better than he previously thought. Texas and KU seem like your third and fourth team, and they both have wins over Kentucky and North Carolina, and UT was a possession away from beating Villanova yesterday. Yeah, I've been, uh, I, I've been impressed with Texas, I'll be honest. When I saw where they were picked in the Big 12 preseason poll, I rolled my eyes and said, oh, okay, yeah, here we go again. Everybody overvaluing Texas once again. And I feel like we have seen years where Texas has looked good in the non-con and maybe struggles in the conference. But I tend to believe that they're, they're a pretty good basketball team this year. Yeah, I mean, they're loaded with talent. They're loaded with experience. They got everybody back from last year's team. They added the McDonald's All-American and Greg Brown who is still putting some things together, but he's showing uh, some really, really nice flashes at times. Shaka Smart, Texas started 4-0 this year, right after they beat North Carolina in the Maui Invitational Final last week. That seems like a great thing, but Shaka Smart has started four in a row, now four years in a row, and we know how the Texas basketball program has fared over the last four years. And how about this? This is the weirdest thing ever. Roy Williams, since taking the job at North Carolina, think about it, Hall of Fame coach, Guy who's won a couple of national titles at UNC. Think about how good North Carolina has been under Roy. Roy Williams is one and eight against Texas at really? UNC. How weird is that? Seriously? I didn't yeah. even think they played nine times. Yeah, they, yeah, they played nine times, and Roy Williams is one and eight against Texas. And one of those games came That's in 2018 with Shaka Smart as the head coach. Texas beat North Carolina. You're like, hey, we must be good. We beat UNC. And then Texas, oh, they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament that year. So I didn't get super high on what I saw from the team against UNC last week, even though UNC is a pretty good team. I, I was actually more encouraged by the loss against Villanova yesterday, right? I mean, they lost. It sucks. Moral victory. We don't want to do that. But Villanova had the second best Vegas odds to win the national championship going yeah. into the season and to lose to them by really just one possession. I know it was ultimately a four-point game, but that's because Nova hit some free throws in the final seconds. But that game was tough and tight throughout, and you went with one of the biggest of dogs, one of the best coaches in all of college basketball right now. Like That, to me, was relatively encouraging. We'll see. Texas opens up conference play on Sunday against Baylor. So that's another really, really good team. Obviously, Baylor number two in the country right now, the preseason favorite in this conference. If Texas can beat Baylor – then we've got something there. If Texas goes out and gets stomped by Baylor, then eh, it might just be another one of those years for Shaka Smart. But, uh, yeah, Texas looks all right right now. I, I, I would guess, Harrison, you have West Virginia number two if you have Texas and Kansas three and four. I mean, Baylor's number one. They should be, yeah. no question. I think right now they're honestly head and shoulders better than any team in this league at this moment. You know, West Virginia, they lost a game early on. Uh, they struggled with Georgetown yesterday, but road game, they found a way to get it done in our nation's capital. I, you know, I don't know if I'd go West Virginia number two. Kansas has looked inconsistent. They struggle with North Dakota State. Over yeah, what was that on Saturday? Jeez. Yeah, look, it, it's uh, – I mean, Kansas lost its two best players. And when you think of Bill Self teams, you think of a really, really good point guard who can score. Kansas doesn't have that right now. And you think of a really, really good big man who can get you buckets. Kansas doesn't have that right now. They had it last year with Dotson and Azubuke, and that's why they were the number one seed going into the tournaments. This year, they don't have those guys right now. So it's not a national championship contending team for Kansas this year. They're going to get better, no question, because they're young. And look, you never want to count Kansas out of the Big 12 title race because they always win this league, it feels like. But uh, not a not a normal Kansas team, and maybe they will finish you know fourth in this conference when it's all said and done. 
Big one for KU on Tuesday night. So really on Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, they take on number nine, Creighton. 3-0 Creighton, 4-1 Kansas. KU a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Ochai Abaji is KU's leading scorer this year. Um, I, I, I've watched a few of their games. I don't know why that caught me off guard a little bit. I just – what's this? This is third year in the program. I just never thought that he was going to be, like, leading scorer type of good for KU. Yeah, and that's kind of where Kansas is. I mean, Abaji's got a high ceiling, high, high ceiling. Um, I, you know, there's a part of me that thought he could have left last year and he would have been drafted – in the NBA, not a first round pick, not a lottery pick, but would have been drafted in the two round NBA draft. So good for Kansas that he came back. And I think good for him, right? He could use a little bit more developments, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's not as consistent as you would like. And it does feel like, I mean, Marcus Garrett's the best overall player because he's uh, uh, just a drinker on defense. He's the national defensive player of the year last year. And his offensive game has come along enough to where he could give you something on that end of the floor. But yeah, I mean, I, Scoring is going to be an issue for Kansas this year because Abaji doesn't bring it every night. You know, Jalen Wilson, uh, who had a red shirt last year with an injury, he looks good, but he's, you know, it's his first time playing college basketball. So I don't know how reliable he's going to be game in and game out. Christian Brown is pretty good as well, but like none of those guys can give you that consistent scoring that, uh, you know, Devon Dodson could last year or I mean you just go down the list of great Kansas players over the last few years like a guy that you know could just get you buckets when you need them I I don't know if Kansas has that at the moment hey uh, by the way guys everybody that's broadcasting OU basketball games and we I saw it yesterday Uh oh Oh my god it's Brady Mannix fourth year in the program we get it he looks like Larry Bird can we find something else to distract us during these basketball games we get it (laughs) He's looked like Larry Bird for four damn years now. That's how long he's been at OU. So just, my God, guys, like find something else funny other than, hey, here's somebody who looks like Larry Bird. Yes, we know. Your OU basketball fans are going through what Texas football fans have gone through with the Sam Ellinger, I'm Chris Sims, baby video. Right, they show that during every broadcast where Sam's singing the eyes of Texas and saying he's Chris Sims and throwing the football. Hey, with Shipley and Colt McCoy, were they roommates? <laughs> exactly, Shipley and Colt McCoy being roommates. Hey, this guy wasn't offered by Texas. Did you know that? You guys are uh, are getting that treatment right now, and it is the lowest of low hanging fruits. But you're right. I mean, they they call the games as if nobody has ever seen Brady Manic before, like he's some freshman out of nowhere that wasn't highly touted on the recruiting trail that came in and it's like, Oh my God, that guy looks like Larry bird. Yeah. It's uh it's been going on for a, a long, long time, but nice win for Oklahoma yesterday, man. Austin Reeves played a hell of a game. Uh, yeah. He likes game. playing in Fort Worth, man. Um, that That's for sure. He had a, yeah, game. He had a game winner there last year. Yeah. That was the last game that OU was able to play a year ago, which I think locked them into the tournament. And then yesterday, he was pretty clutch late. So optimistic about this OU team. I think that they can uh, definitely shoot it and score. If they don't shoot it well, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But when they can shoot it well, I think that they can be competitive with just about anybody in this league. Yeah, the question is, can Oklahoma or can Oklahoma State crack the top five? Because it feels like however you order the top five going going into this year, and the media said Baylor one, Kansas two – West Virginia three, Texas four, Texas Tech five. Those are like, it feels like those teams are in their own tier. I think Baylor might be in their own tier right now, but like those five, it feels like that's your your obvious top five in some form or fashion this year. If you're Oklahoma, like, can you crack the top five? I don't think anyone expects them to win this league or maybe even finish second. But like, can you be better than any of those teams? That would definitely put you in the NCAA tournament. 
All right. Hey, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we will be keeping our eyes on the Texas coaching situation. I wouldn't expect Texas to make an official move on Tom Herman uh, before the end of the season. I think I read something today that they've never done that with the major coach, fire him during the season. I mean, it just looks all too likely now with Urban Meyer out of the equation. They're not going to fire Tom Herman. Even if they do fire Tom Herman, it's not going to be until after the conclusion of the regular season. Yeah, no. If Urban Meyer gave them a yes yesterday, then they would have fired Tom Herman yesterday yeah. and said, Urban, here we go. Let's get you going. Yeah. National signing days in nine days. So uh, hit the recruiting trail, please. But yeah, now that you don't have that big fish, they're going to wait a little bit and, and make sure they make the right hire. If they do make a change. And look, Texas is not going to fire Tom Herman unless they have something in place, right? They're going to have a handshake agreement with the next guy by the time they fire Tom Herman. So when does that happen? Yeah, you're probably right. It probably won't happen until after the Kansas game and probably won't happen until after National Signing Day at this point. We hope that you join us Thursday, 10 a.m. right here on Twitch. We'll be previewing the big games coming up this weekend. Oklahoma going out to Morgantown. God, Oklahoma State kind of need to win this weekend at Baylor, but don't think Chuba Hubbard's going to play. Don't think Tyler Wallace is going to play. Uh, Spencer Sanders better have a game. He's got seven touchdowns, six interceptions this year. They've really struggled. But until then, we'll talk to you on Thursday, 10 a.m. right here on Twitch. He's Brad Keller. I'm Tyler McComas. This is In Defense of the Big 12. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.